Broadcasting live from a merciful absence of Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And I almost said my name before you said your name, but I am Garrett Strother. I, <laughs> Dude, I you waited gonna for cut the in? pause, and I was like, well, <laughs> <As> this <laughs> is me. As if you had announced that? <laughs> you just trying to steal my thunder out no, here. Was, this is Pop Culture Reference, and then I was and gonna I'm go, Garrett and Strother. I'm Garrett Strother. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Well, I can I can I can see why you're excited to just jump right into things today, Gary, cuz cuz our main segment we're finally going to get to talk about Fast X, a movie that we have been dreaming about since it was announced and I and we I think we've got a lot to say about it. A long time coming, Seamus. It really is. It's our first Fast Saga film in the theater. Well, actually no, that's not true for you. Never mind. I rescind everything I just said. Yeah. Well, it's it's my it's my first real one and real experience in the theater. As you as you know, my history of having seen Fast Seven, F Seven, and just being like un unfazed by anything in that movie, including the the outro there. I I didn't really see the Fast and the Furious in theaters, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. But first, you want to get into some news. Let's jump right into the Disney danger. I don't remember what the, the sound clip oh, is for this it one. It sounds like we're in Star Wars. The Galactic that... Empire sirens going off. And... Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, yes. Oh, there I it is. I feel like there I'm is. at Galaxy's Edge right now. I, I feel like I'm staying at that hotel, you know, that, that, super, that super great Star Wars hotel. Thanks, Mickey, for that chuckle there at the end. That <laughs> Lots of things going on over with Disney, Seamus. I don't know if you noticed. They're sneaking this by me somehow. I, I heard about half of this stuff, but I, I didn't catch wind of the t- titles that are being removed from Disney Plus already. A streaming service that seemed like it came out so recently. That falling, falling for the new trend of just striking titles, and that, that really sucks. And I read, and I don't know if this is true... But something about how they can't, if it's already been out for a certain amount of time, they can't call it a tax write-off. And the only reason to remove something is to not pay royalties. Man, you'd think the most absolutely wealthy, insanely connected, owns everything kind of corporation could make a make a more all-in-one kind of streaming service on, on their dime, but I guess not. A wide variety of things, including the new Willow show, which just came out like a second ago. World According to Jeff Goldblum, which was one of their big premiere yeah, oh yeah. launch titles that they had. The only, to my knowledge, Disney Plus movie franchise, the Stargirl movies with uh, uh, Grace Vanderwall, the Turner and Hooch reboot with Josh Peck. Right, Josh Peck. Oh, Josh Peck. They had to replace Drake Bell with something, so they chose that dog. (laughs) That's a good choice. They did announce initially that they were going to be removing the Howard Ashman documentary, who was an openly gay songwriter for Walt Disney Studios during the Disney Renaissance, and they were going to remove the Disney Plus original documentary about him. But they have changed their minds about that due to internet backlash, so... Sometimes they do listen. I guess sometimes if they're going to get in big enough trouble in the middle of all of their fun political things going on right now, they're going to probably backpedal a little bit until they're on the other side of it. But that's not the only thing that we have to say bye-bye to Seamus from from Walt Disney because (laughs) the Galactic Star Cruiser Star Wars Hotel that is the hotel of your and my dreams if we ever (laughs) inherited a large sum of money or were in some kind of Brewster's Uh, Millions situation where we had to burn as much money as fast as possible. Because that $1,500 a night hotel is no more. They're not even going to try a discount with it. It's not even been two full years since it opened. There are a lot of people who think that this might have something to do with other economic ongoing turbulence over at the Walt Disney Company. I would imagine Galactic Star Cruiser is a tax write-off. I would imagine that they're going to get some (laughs) money back for that because things are not going well in their ongoing feud with Ron DeSantis, which I think that we will probably cover in greater depth as a pop culture reference at some point when A, it 
reaches some kind of conclusion or b we get closer to the election whichever comes first and then yeah that'll we also have the writer's strike still going on and tony gilroy has completely left andor that's part of the disney danger there but you know they're still doing all their massive layoffs related to the fox merger there's a there's a lot of things there are a lot of things happening yeah real messy stuff over there for sure that tony gilroy news i mean i like great you know standing in solidarity with the the people that make that kind of stuff happen but right off of the back of the news that the second season of andor was going to be like very time jump heavy to begin with and less straightforward as as more of a linear story and now plus they're god knows what's happening with the writing or any anything with that show now it's gonna get messy specifically for for that kind of stuff too but with all of that Disney danger in our rearview mirror, Garrett, what do you say we finally get into what we came here for today? Let's get into Fast X. Smoke them, Seamus. Smoke them. For today's main segment, we're going to be talking about Fast X, the 11th film in the Fast and the Furious saga. <laughs> 12 if you count, better luck tomorrow. Which we do on this podcast, of course. We do on course. this podcast. Ever course. since last week when we, when we talked about it. Seamus, as we prefaced up top, we have been excited about this movie for, I'm pretty sure, as long as we've been alive. And as long as I've been reborn into loving this franchise, yes, absolutely. What were your thoughts? What, after all of the hype, after all of the waiting, after all of the movies, <laughs> how are you feeling about Fast X? I was afraid at first after we got out of there i really enjoyed it initially and i was afraid it was gonna fade a little more in the days that we've that we've had to reflect here but i really do think this is like the best fast since seven i would say you know i i'll agree i get we can stand by eight a little more now that we've had more experience coming back to that one non-marathon wise but I had so much fun with Fast X. I loved Jason Momoa. He finally gets to have fun out there for the first time maybe ever that I've seen him on screen. We get a lot of incredible callbacks, which I didn't know how beautiful those callbacks would be to the most minute pieces of this franchise that they still say, like, hey, we're paying attention to it here. This is the big, crazy finale of it all and we're gonna make sure that we're not pulling any stops and i thought it was a lovely time the action was great the driving was great all the set pieces really really worked for me for the most part i'm hyped for for the next one you know i'm, I'm really excited to see how this continues to wrap up this insane family story here but what did you think about this one garrett you and i came out of the movie in a very similar headspace and I like it more and less now than I did when we left. Because what I have decided is almost all of the individual moments in this movie really work. Like, scene to scene, this is a really great Fast and the Furious movie. But for reasons that we will get into in spoilers, the structure of this movie is weird and mm-hmm. doesn't work very well. The scenes are, like, in the wrong order. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It was such a messy way to place everything. And like you're saying, individually, they definitely worked for me a lot. But you can really feel the strain on this being the first in however many finale movies. You can feel that they're like, well, we have all these huge plans and we have all this crazy stuff that we're going to do and we're really going to try to stick the landing the best way we possibly can so we have to front load everything into Fast X to set it up and then it just feels a little lopsided. I turned to you when the, when, the, when we were hit with the credits at the end, I turned to you and I said, I thought we had an hour and a half of this movie left because it just really drops out hard and then it kind of flops around a little bit with even more setup for, for what's coming in, in the next couple of years. But altogether, as one piece, it does feel really disjointed. And I echo your sentiments about Jason Momoa being great and he is a worthy villain to see out the mm. end of the song, if indeed he does. I mean, who knows? Maybe next movie he'll just be joining the family, and I, I, don't, I don't think he will after what he does <laughs> in this movie, but you never know. We didn't think that about Statham either. Exactly. 
Because how can you come back from killing Han? Turns out, you don't actually kill Han. And for some reason, that's okay, even though you meant to kill Han. So strange. So strange. What I said to you in the movie theater about 20 minutes into the movie was, this really does feel like the last Fast and the Furious yeah. movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. All in all, I feel like... I am already ready to watch this one again. I think when it hits streaming, that's going to be like, that's going to be a day marked on my calendar because I really would like to see this again. I had a lot of fun. It was really funny. And I mean, not just for the usual reasons of like Tyrese trying to be funny and give, working with, with the jokes he's written, but like really actually pretty funny with Tyrese and Jason Momoa and all the, you know, the rest of everybody got. It, it hits some high points in the humor that, you know, sometimes really fall flat in these movies. And I think that worked well with the more somber, intense, world is collapsing around the family kind of vibe that, that the threat of this movie gave us. How did you feel about, barring Jason Momoa, obviously, because we just both said he's great. But oh, yeah. how did you feel about integration between the existing family and some of the new characters like Rita Moreno and Brie Larson. I think I will refer back to my previous statements of they're really trying to set up plenty and I'm excited to see more of these newer characters and how they work with the family. But we didn't really get enough from really anybody besides Dom and Dante, which is which is Jason Momoa's character. They were really, they've got pretty much everything to do, and then the much smaller scale things, the, the smaller set pieces were kind of doled out among the rest of the family that showed up here. I would argue that I was happy with how much, again, we don't want to get into spoilers, I would argue that I was happy with the amount of Letty that was in this movie. I think Letty got maybe even a little less than I wanted, but more than somebody like Ramsey, Han, Tej, Roman, the, the rest of the auxiliary gang who who's really trying to tag along for the ride there. And that's what I was kind of getting toward was, despite my well-documented affinity for Brie Larson, I do think that probably she got some sequences that could have been sidelined for screen time with characters that we've mm. known for, you know, six, seven, eight, nine movies. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. I, I think I can agree with that, especially because... The things that I, I really assumed were going to happen with Brie Larson and her character were just... There wasn't even a whisper of, of the things that I was expecting with her and her character. And again, more to come, I'm sure. She's got a lot to do with another character that we love very much that we'll get into later. It just felt like a time waste from something like the characters that we were really coming into this movie for. I think Brie Larson does a good job in this movie. I think that she feels intentionally like she's walking in from a completely different franchise. Oh yeah, definitely. It, this franchise honestly does that very well in a lot of different places where it's it's unlikely characters, unlikely types of characters that get caught up in the adventures of the family. And it usually seems to work out well whenever whenever that type of character comes in. It becomes like a staple of whatever movie moving forward after that. Definitely. But I think now we are officially ready to bop on over into spoilers. So that's it. Official spoiler warning for the entire Fast saga up until this point, including Fast X. So just because I don't want to forget this, not because this is the most pressing thing to get to is spoilers. What specifically, I mean, obviously you were expecting Kurt Russell to be in this movie and he's not. Oh, I really was, dude. But what else were you expecting from Brie Larson's character. Again, obviously, I thought she was going to be the one to, like, get Kurt Russell out of hiding somewhere, but I thought she was even going to be a little more of a liaison of that Mr. Nobody role that is kind of being taken and chewed up by, you know, other army guy character out there at the agency. Once we got into the Letty is in prison of it all, and she was kind of the linchpin of the plan of, of getting her out of there somehow, I thought it was going to be a little more, like, 
Brie Larson, Letty, and Cypher have to somehow set aside differences, work together in some way to to get out of their Antarctic prison and all that. But really, she, you know, she get, took the step back and she gets shot at some point and you know, has to be saved by Dom and all that. So I, I'm sure she'll return the favor with Mr. Nobody proper in Fast X2. There obviously is something they're building towards because it's not like she's just another little nobody like Scott Eastwood who is mm-hmm. in this movie and for some reason does not die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, what the... Oh, we're gonna talk about character deaths in a second. Because she is explicitly his daughter, so they clearly have some kind of plan for her other than just being like, it's his daughter, get it? Like, from the other movie. Yeah, I I really hope so, man. I mean, there's enough goofy spy tech in this universe where if it's like we need a biometric scan of Mr. Nobody's hand but he's missing oh but we know somebody who can you know whatever she's gonna be integral in that kind of plan coming up in the next movie you know who else is gonna be integral in the next movie who who I mean I honestly who oh my god I forgot about Pete Davidson dude that really felt like I just we were sitting there, and I walked ass backwards into a Taco Bell commercial with Pete <laughs> Davidson just sitting there looking at me. God, I'm not a fan of that. I like the Pete Davidson cameo. I'm going to defend the Pete. You like that one? I don't even like Pete Davidson, but I like dumb cameos in movies because not everything should be... And as you mentioned, Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart do not count. They are playing themselves. That yeah, as they do. And not that Pete Davidson isn't playing himself, but he's doing a character, at least. He's doing something. He's not just like, hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds, I'm here to be Deadpool, hi. (laughs) I mean, he is, Pete Davidson is doing what he does best, with like, one-off scumbag character. I mean, (laughs) unless he comes back in the next one, which would blow my mind, but... he turned in... Yeah, the, he turned the in the Sunday. game. Yeah. I, I did like that him and Tyrese got to play a little bit together with the whole, like, Tyrese has the money strapped to his body, exactly. like like Kenneth from 30 Rock. And, like, that was pretty <laughs> fun. I like that. He, like, snatches the money back after he's like, hey, I'm so- I'm Pete Davidson, and I turned you in. Sorry. And then he looks at the <laughs> camera. Pretty good Pete Davidson. Show. Oh, I wasn't trying to. Oh, no. My hair is turning platinum blonde. Garrett, help me. <laughs> Uh, every woman in a quarter mile radius <laughs> is banging down the door uh, of your apartment. Because that cameo works for me, because it's not like, I know what that is! Unlike some of the yeah, other cameos that's... in this movie, <laughs> it's just, he's there for a scene to be funny. Because you can have anybody do that, you can have any actor do that, but, you know, Pete Davidson is famous for a reason. I, again, I don't particularly like Pete Davidson, but he is funny. I will say that. He has been known to be funny to me. I, not in everything, so I didn't really love his time on SNL. Is he still on SNL? Is that No, he thing? left. I think maybe that's where a lot of my personal feelings towards him comes from, is that he never really landed for me in the sketches, but... He has come through. You, you have seen the winter formal sketch that has now been taken off of YouTube. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. You know he, that's funny. And he that is, is funny, funny damn it. it. He's he is, just doing he Adam Sandler, but you know. If, if you can, you should. That, Adam Sandler's funny. Enough about Pete Davidson for now until he comes back in the next one is like, hey, I'm sorry I turned you in, guys. I'm here to join the family. And then, <laughs> then he's like, there's always room for family. And <laughs> he gets roped in. I think... I need you to do a full episode <laughs> in your Pete Davidson voice. Like, Dude, have, I tried less that time, you damn it. You have the cadence right. You just, you have his intonation correct. <laughs> I'm not lying, but I say it's almost entirely from my my white hot hatred of his Taco Bell commercials for real. I just like know them. Like, I don't want to watch Pete Davidson's close up mouth bite into a breakfast well, crunch nobody, wrap. Nobody does, but well, but Taco Bell thinks we do Garrett. And I won't accept that. I will say there is one cameo in this movie where the, I know what that is really worked for me. That is Hot Wheels Unleashed. The fact that Little oh B my God, dude. and Mia are playing Hot Wheels Unleashed. A game that does not feature any Fast and the <laughs> Furious cars in it. And that you, you mentioned to me has since shut down the the live update service. Oh yeah, which I can't believe because they product placemented in this movie. It's not like, you know, fast the Fast and the Furious, the original, where they're just like, we're playing a PS2 racing game in the background, and we're like, they love racing. This is a Hot Wheels spot in this movie. 
And, I mean, it makes sense for Little B to be playing. Although, no, it doesn't, because Little B straight up does donuts in this movie. He drives yeah, a car He's in this learning movie. to drift American muscle with his dad in the very beginning. So, I get... Because I kind of thought that... I mean, I they've done enough. You know, his name is literally Brian and stuff. Because mm. there's that whole thing where Dom is trying to convince Brian's son, Jack, that he should like American muscle and not the kind of cars... That Brian, like, not like... Yeah, the imports. I kind of thought that Little B would get into imports. I think maybe that is coming down the line. I think Uncle Han is going to, like, have a couple weekends where he he drifts around with him. And surprise, Tokyo Drift actually takes place after number (laughs) 11. And and Little B is in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Little B was, was contracted by Mr. Nobody to fake his death in the car driving donuts so he could take down Cypher. Little B is the one who cut the Sam Jackson hole into a sewer grate down into the, <laughs> down into the, under the street. Oh god, Little B is actually alive after being assassinated on a runway. Are we gonna talk? Should we talk about some character deaths slash resurrections real quick? You and I could not believe that they killed John Cena. I couldn't believe it at the time, but then I started thinking about it since we saw it, and I was like, "Well, they can't kill Han because they already did that once, and they brought him back, and they can't kill Letty because they already did that." And brought her back. They can't kill Dom. They can't kill Dom. They can't kill Roman or Tej because it would make the other one too sad. And there goes your comic relief character. They can't kill Ramsey because she's too... She's too new. New. And frankly, they like to ogle her a little bit too. Like the camera likes to ogle her a little bit too much. Yeah, that's true. But she's also like, she's the number one in charge of like... The God's Eye. That was the part of this movie that I liked the least, honestly, is the agency turning on the family. Not because I care about the agency, but because I don't care about the agency. Yeah, that's really... And, Nobody. Unless it's straight up Mr. Nobody turns on the family and is like a sudden heel turn, and I'm like, I'm absolutely floored, then you have me. But it's just like, you know, whatever. New big buff dude up in the mix. Who you and I Mr. were Nobody. both convinced... That was from another movie, and Alex, our buddy who went with us, is like, no, he was not. It was just like, no, not. I'm pretty sure he was, Alex. He was the Fast and Furious experts. Dude, he, he was talking and acting for a movie so specifically reliant on that full franchise intimate knowledge. We were like, he was talking and acting like he belongs with everybody else, but... The guy that I was confusing him with is the really big guy that fights the rock in the plane in six. Oh yeah, yeah that that big brute guy. Yeah, a part that's a part of. Uh, I don't Baby remember Shaw's how that guy team. dies because he definitely he probably gets shot out of a harpoon gun window like Gina. Yeah, Carlo, but I'm gonna guess every single person in that team dies exactly that way because I even just haven't rewatched that one for Shaw's brother because he's in the hospital and then he's in the plane and. In seven, they're gonna bring Baby Shaw back. Lucas Shaw, no, it's because uh, Deckard something... Shaw is Deckard Shaw is... is Jason Statham. Owen Shaw, I think Owen it's Shaw Owen Shaw is Shaw. correct. Ding ding yeah, ding, Seamus, we have boom a time. If I'm not mistaken, he does pop up in the Dominic Toretto. I have your family under surveillance. Flashbulb there. Oh, d- does it really? D- uh, Owen Shaw, he's not part of the family. The two of them infiltrate the plane together and get. Dom's son from Cypher. So, I mean, although they do walk that back a little bit in the one Statham scene in this movie, Roman's like, he's not to be trusted. I'm like, you trust him to deal with Dom's son, you know? Yeah, right? Like, did we forget about that? I guess in the weird time of them confronting him again and them, like, finding out... Because the weight of time of, like, the real Tokyo Drift and then all the, the retcon of him being killed specifically and then the double retcon of him actually not being killed it was such a weird rapid pace but they're still unsure and justin lynn i think was probably unhappy that they made shaw a good guy in one of the ones that he didn't do after you know explicitly making him the yeah. guy to kill han which is also i think part of the reason he brought han back and gave han his opportunity for justice there which man was i disappointed in that whole thing oh yeah, dude, are you kidding me? I thought we were in for now Shaw is in the group for the rest of the movie and he is going to be specifically stuck with Han a lot and they have to, like, 
work out their problems therapy style while they're doing spy missions. And I really just thought fully did not get that. Han gets totally sidelined in this movie because he is stuck on the comic relief team with Tyrese and Tej and Masande. I just really wish he weren't stuck there. Like, I really hate that about this movie. And when we got to save them, I was like, yes, this is great. I love the idea, Han and Shaw. We've been saying it for yeah. years at this point. And even the way that they do it, like right when they get to face-to-face in this movie, where it's like, Han is there out of desperation for help, and Shaw is like, this guy's definitely here for revenge, because what else would he be here for? Mm -hmm. And kind of that, like, mutual mistrust. I wanted to see them work through it, man, but we just, we got a good joke about Han getting his snack spilled, which I I was like, you don't do that to Han solo, no sir. But then, then he's just like, my mom, my brother, I gotta go save him, and then he's gone. Well, he actually says he has to go kill some people is explicitly what he says. Yeah, he's still a badass, and I still like him as, like, a big, gruff, angry Brit in this in this movie, but I wish he stuck around at all, and really. now Han and Tyrese and Tej and Masande and are all dead, so... Yeah, too bad how, dumb that. Is, how dumb is that? Unless, could you imagine the follow-through in the next movie where it's just, like, opening credits, open on... A actual plane crash, body parts strewn everywhere. Tyrese is ripped in half, and he's just, just gasping for air. Masande went into the jet engine. She's she's in the wind. I actually think that because you and I were discussing after the movie that maybe the movie opens with how on earth Gal Gadot survived falling out of the plane <laughs> at the end of oh yeah six. <laughs> She's back. She is the yeah. final stinger on maybe the nuclear submarine from, from eight. eight. Did they did they not blow up that submarine? What remember. the hell happened I just with watched that? Eight, man? I don't remember. <laughs> I... Yeah, right. However, my new theory is that the movie will open with Tej, Masante, and Han and Tyrese. They get hit with the plane. They're going down. What are they going to do? Tyrese has the answer. Ejecto cedo cuz. Yeah, oh dude, I will I will scream in the theater. I will <laughs> I will get us kicked out of that theater if he gets to say ejecto cedo cuz. But from the feel of this first Fast X here, this fast finale, I feel like there's way more of a chance of us getting something like that than there ever has been since um, he's joined ejecto the team. Ejecto cedo cuz? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there are so many Cute little callbacks you mentioned, Hans. Snacks. We both held hands like lovers when he said Los Bandoleros for life. Oh. We were just like, we know what that means, buddy. We know. Yeah, it is Los Bandoleros for life, Han, my man. Oh, that that really got me. Which, and if you know anything about the behind-the-scenes production of this film, you know that Justin Lin famously quit production not very long in... Mm. probably over creative disputes with Vin Diesel. Allegedly, in theory, in theory. But I mean, like, come on, probably. That's exactly what happened. And so to me, that had kind of a loaded meaning. In addition to being like, yes, Los Bandoleros, like Han and Vin are stealing gas for the people and, you know, whatever. Also, it felt like Los Bandoleros is the thing that Vin Diesel wrote and directed. And so I feel like a little bit that was him being like, this is also my movie. Fast X is my yeah. movie. And, and honestly, who's going to take that away from him? Come on. Uh, like, yeah. if, if that is the promise of, if anyone remembers the minutia of the Fast and the Furious, it's Vin Diesel himself. I'm sure he has the lore absolutely down pat. He's ready to pull out every reference and every every little thing that has some kind of stupid meaning to people like me and you for... However many movies left we have, maybe one more, maybe two more, whatever. That's all conjecture at this point, I suppose. Also in Dom's threat projector room, we see the Drift King from Tokyo Drift. And most importantly, we see Suki from Our, Too Fast, Too Furious. Our girl Suki finally getting back in here. Does that mean she's going to pull up in the pink Porsche to save Dom and little B at the dam? I hope so. I want her to be part of the, like, the secret other team that Mr. Nobody put together. That's like, if Dom and his family can't pull it off, I know I know another group that, that's versed in the ways. And it, you know, we've got 
Suki and, and Seamus, you just spoke that to be like that is totally what Kurt Russell is off doing. Kurt Russell oh, is yeah. collecting all of oh, the side characters God. from all the other movies. So for the portals moment at the end of the next movie or the next next movie, whichever movie's the last one, Mr. Nobody could show up with the call everyone and Suki's there and and Bow Wow's there, the Drift King is there, and everybody else from every other movie. Vanessa Kirby from Hobbs and Shaw. The guy in the yellow car in Too Fast, the guy in the green car in Too Fast. The guy from Fast Five that got killed in this movie. He's alive. Mr. Nobody snatched him from the sewer grate. You don't know. <laughs> Dude, I was legit kind of sad when that guy died. He's the guy, he's punking on Dom when they're trying to get cars for the vault heist. Yeah. And... Then they go back, and he's like, nah, I actually love this guy now, and we're going to put our guns to Hobbs and his team. When, yes. when Dom goes, this is Brazil, with kind of a questionable That's such accent. such a good That's part great. of that movie. That's such a good part of that movie, and he is like, they do a close-up on him. He's like ready. He is, he is a ride or die for Dom, yeah. like for real, before Literally, that movie's he, out. He proved it. He proved it. Oh, that breaks my heart, though. God. Um, They're going to bring in Hector. Who's in yeah, one dude. and six? Yes, Hector is the best. I would love to see you know, re- like get really crazy with it. Bring in well, obviously we know that Cole Hauser, the villain from Too Fast, <laughs> Too Furious, is coming back. I think he's going to be part of the bankroll for Dante. I think that's going to be that the big would reveal. Be really good, actually. Is- oh. Okay, we need to talk about this before I forget. That one scene where Jason Momoa is, like, having tea with two dead bodies who have their eyes taped open. Yo, horrific. That was, like, psychopathic, right? Like, that's really messed up. It was out of a completely different movie. That was not part yeah, of dude. X. That was, they needed to let us know, because Jason Momoa is such a fun, lively, like, he's laughing in pretty much every single scene that he's in, besides, like, the flashbacks to five. And so I think they really needed to let us know that, oh, no, this guy is going to, like, cut your throat and then tape your eyes open and paint your nails and, like, have a tea party while, like, flies are on your eyeballs and stuff. Like, that was, like, really dark and grim. But I I think it was worth showing just how absolutely bonkers Dante is. I also liked that he was the minigun car driver in Fast Five. I like that they placed him, like, very distinctly in the action sequence. He's not just in a car. He's in a car that we can go back and watch Fast Five and go, oh, like, that's the one that Dante is in. I paid special attention to that one, and it is truly on screen for half a second while it is flying off the bridge. But I love the retroactive importance that that now has. And, again, the best movie of this franchise anyway, and now it has, like, extra fun little tidbit connections and that's obviously why he's from five instead of any other movie right is because he's not cole hauser's son somewhere (laughs) (laughs) which i would love if i'm being honest jason momoa that dude's like 40 right i know he's 10 years Uh, younger whenever fast five is set so i can i guess i can right right but he just seemed a little he seemed a little old to be that guy's son yeah, well, you know, maybe he had him when he was super young, and he's 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 a like crime lord guy. He's doing whatever he wants when he's a young lad. Yeah, I don't know. Between this and Duncan Idaho, I want Jason <laughs> Momoa in everything. I'm pretty sure uh, he's suddenly like a because okay, I won't I won't say that he's not like good in things like my man. What is that? For? Oh <laughs> God, yeah, no, you're right. Sorry, I, I, I was thinking about Aquaman proper, James Wan's I've Aquaman not seen proper. James Wan's Aquaman, and, which is not like me for somebody who likes <laughs> Jason Momoa and likes James Wan, because you know he doesn't get a lot to do as like the DC's Thor, but James Wan definitely does more work in Aquaman specifically to let him do a little more cool stuff but you know I between he was good in Snyder Cut yeah sure I mean yeah he's, 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 not, he's not Duncan Idaho in Snyder no Cut. absolutely not but and you know like things like his very brief role in Game of Thrones which is also kind of horrific to look back on but now cut all the way to Fast X and he gets to really chew up every single scene that he's in he's got his pants pulled up to his nipples like he's Jean-Claude Van Damme he's got every ring in the world like he's Ringo Starr he's doing all this weird like tongue acting he's like blowing raspberries and licking guns and knives and and just being a psycho and I love to see it I think he's incredible I really like the scene where he's 
joshing with the henchmen. That, <laughs> yeah, the uh, henchmen that aren't even really his henchmen. They're henchmen that he has their families held hostage so that they betray Cypher. Betray Cypher. And then he those are the two guys that he kills and tapes their eyes open. Yep. Which is the best, because in Rome he's like, you guys want to blow up the Vatican? Okay. Like, it's really, it's really good. He's a menacing villain. He walks that really good line between being scary and being likable that all great villains mm-hmm. do. The Hans Gruber parallel, as I like to yeah, call the, it. Yeah, the Hans Gruber effect. I mean, obviously, different tonally. It, I, I kind of mentioned to you, it's like, he's got this family vendetta about his father, but he's also, they make it really clear that he's just like in and out of mental asylums and completely unstable despite therapy and medication and well, like really dangerous. the first thing dangerous. that they say in the movie is like, my son, I have tr- I have seen you as the weapon and asset that you are, and I will unleash hell upon those who are yeah, dear yeah, yeah. us. So it, there is crossover there, but when you get down to the after credit scene with Dwayne Johnson, and it's like he's now specifically roping in Hobbs as the guy who pulled the trigger, double tapped his dad on the highway, which I mean, it's, you know, pretty ruthless and cold blooded as Hobbs is is one to be, but I don't know. I think I think the crazy angle works better for me than the family angle, even though I love the connection of the being on the bridge in Fast Five. I agree. He is a Tasmanian devil, and you need a reason to point him at Dom. And that's what I was thinking about. It's, it's so much of this franchise is, it's the order of law or the order of government agency or the order of some kind of militant organization that is then thrust against the chaos of what Dominic Toretto and his family can do to pull off some kind of job or mission or whatever. And the closest we ever got was maybe Statham in Seven of just like a purely chaotic villain. I wouldn't say like Statham doesn't seem like an evil kind of person. He's just like no, a man and, and on a I mission. Think from the introduction of his character, he's intentionally not evil. He is a man who does what he has to do. Yeah, he's been wronged and he's doing this for like more of a concrete reason. And then you get Cypher, who's, you know, a little more personal about things, but it's still again very cold, calculated, computed, this, you know, she bond was so villain. Good in this, by the way. Oh yeah, definitely. I like I again I wish there was more of her and Letty together in this in their in mutual imprisonment you in wish Antarctica. That they did a face off surgery shame. I do. I won't I won't you don't have to accuse me. I will fully admit that. I really wish they gave a face off thing to them and put a bowl cut on Letty Cypher. But Cypher's hair cut. in this is the best. It's actually good hair. She has good hair in this movie. Finally, it's not cornrows, it's not a bowl cut. But she is really messed up by the time she gets to the family and all that. Yeah, that's a great flashback sequence where Dante comes in. That's kind of the... Sorry, I totally cut you off, by the way. I apologize for... I don't even think you did. I don't know, no. Obviously, this movie has learned some things from Infinity War. And that makes sense, I think, because I think Infinity War is actually, like, a pretty good movie, all things considered. It's really good at doing what it does. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned how all the movies leading up to the big penultimate event, you're on a mission. You're trying to do, you're trying to save the world from the God's eye, from the bomb, from the Mm -hmm. nuclear submarine. And then you need to turn it on its head and you need to go, now you're being hunted and it is a fight for your very survival. And that's what Infinity War does with Thanos and the Thanos wiping out Loki and the Asgardians scene in this movie is him showing up and taking down the biggest bad we have yet to see in the Fast Saga, which is, mm-hmm. of course, Charlie Theron's cipher. She's great in that sequence. She's great when she shows up at Dom's house in her DeLorean, just, like you said, beat to hell. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great introduction, because technically, of course, he's introduced in the Fast Five opening, which we totally called, by the way. Oh, yeah. But he really steals the show, because that's full unleashed dante when you get into that scene of him and cypher and and now that i'm thinking about it that scene specifically gives me a little more i'm i'm actually gonna put my cole hauser is working with dante theory i'm submitting it to the people he obviously has some kind of network he has some kind of money 
that it wasn't stolen for 10 years to prepare for this yeah he, he has somebody kidnapping families and filming them and like there's some kind of network that he is working within he's setting up projectors damn it he's not doing that himself he's not placing i mean maybe he's crazy who knows i think cole hauser is bankrolling things and i think it's going to be the clash of the villains here in the end. If I can extrapolate my Infinity War analogy a little bit. Oh yeah, please. I think something that makes Infinity War work structurally very, very well is that you essentially have three main storylines going. You have Thor and Rocket and Groot. You have whatever's going on in Wakanda, all that stuff. And then you have what's going on in space with with Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Yeah, and that's all well and good. It works. But what really elevates that story and makes it feel like a an event is you have a few select characters that transition from storyline to storyline. You have Hulk go from being in space with Thor to being down with Doctor Strange to then mm. being in Wakanda. You have other characters who I'm forgetting. I mean, Thor obviously famously shows up then with the final battle there at the end. You have the Guardians go from being with Thor and Groot to being with Doctor Strange and Iron Man. Like, you have characters who are kind of bopping around between the storylines. And this movie really could have used that. And it could have used things like if Han and Shaw had just gotten in that car and gone their separate way from Tej and Roman, all them. If maybe Letty and Cypher had gotten out of the facility sooner and met up with literally anybody, like, you know, Brie Larson, whoever... I really liked this part of the movie, but the whole little side plot with the woman from the Suicide Squad being Elena's... Elena, Oh, right? the sister. Elena's yeah, sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, and it works really well, and you get that great moment where Dom says, you know, my my he wasn't my literal brother, but my brother was a cop, and we made it work, and we were family. Yeah, so yeah. Uh. We family. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if she, like, she could have, I know she has to drive Brie Larson to the hospital at the end, but, like, she could have gone somewhere, maybe, and done something with some of the other characters, and just, yeah, dude. we needed a little bit more to make the structure of this work, in addition to, again, the scenes are out of order. The fact that it ends on a massive cliffhanger with Dom, except then there's one more scene where Gal Gadot's here also, like, that should have been before. I don't get it. It's weird. It was a weird editing choice. It was a weird writing choice. Yeah. I think maybe one day when we are old men watching all three or two of these finale movies together, it's going to it's going to click like a puzzle. If not, you know, having not having had to wait for like three years, two or three years until the next one. But as it stands now, it does feel like it's it's all over the place. But I want to talk about something that we need to make sure we talk about before we wrap up, which is the see you again little oh, yeah, dude! at the beginning of this movie where Dom is leaning on the hood of his charger, looking at all the pictures of his family reminiscing about the times that he had with brian and they do the instrumental see you again reprise and that that piano comes in good god and his grandmother i thought it was a very interesting choice she's like really a toretto she is the woman who raised dom and jacob and mia's dad She's right, not just yeah. Their mom. Oh, I was halfway expecting her to pull up in a in an old charger. <laughs> the end. We, She's gonna save there, them. There is still in... time, Seamus. They brought in Rita Moreno for a reason, and it wasn't just to make our our heartstrings get a little tug when we think about <laughs> Paul Walker. Oh, which did definitely work. My God, you and I were having a moment in the theater. We really were. I have a moment every time I hear that song now, which is which is a truly disturbed Pavlovian response to, to any of this. <laughs> but now it's time for a segment I like to call, What Happens Next Movie? In Fast X Part 2, Seamus, tell me. <laughs> what? Oh, you want me? You That's want the my name of the whole segment, What Happens Next Movie <laughs> in Fast X, Seamus, tell me. Seamus, tell me. Okay, Mr. Nobody is in the submarine with Gal Gadot. That's why he's been off the grid. Like we theorized, he's been gathering the family 0. .5, 2.0, whatever you want to call it, to come in. He's going to have a force field to stop the explosion that is literally feet from incinerating Vin and Little B at the bottom of this dam. Um, okay, remind and... me, did 
Jason Momoa actually blow up the dam already, or did he just prime the charges? Oh, that's right, because it cuts to black on, like, the beeping of the, like, detonator well, or whatever. Like, cut the, to black, the it sequence. cuts to the Arctic Tundra <laughs> as Letty. Oh, right, yeah. Charlie oh, my God. Well, I, I think we're pretty on point. I think it's going to be, like, a really dramatic moment at some point next movie where it's like, who's who is this saving? Oh, who is this beautiful person who's pulling us from the wreckage? And it's going to be... Leo and Santos coming back, like, oh, my restaurant failed, man. And he's like, why you're so negative, man? You gotta stop thinking negative. And then they're gonna save everybody. Oh, I thought Leo and Santos would be in with Mr. Nobody. No, are they too, <laughs> they, are they too they're tight driving the, the submarine. Uh, I feel like they're they're like OGs, man. They're, they they're like they're right there in like four. Like that's where they come in is four. Yeah, because they're not in one, so they have to come in in four. Because there's no movies between one and four, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're coming back. I think Kohlhauser for real. I think if he doesn't come back, that's a huge waste of his threat from Too Fast. We've been doing too many movies of Tej and Tyrese just want to get with Masande, and that's the only thing that any of those characters have to do is, like, flirt and say weird things yeah, with each other. yeah. And I would love if they gave Tyrese, because Brian's not around anymore, so Tyrese is his number one enemy. <laughs> give Tyrese a nemesis. Dude, that is the best. That I would love that, to actually give him some stakes, because oh, there's so much to talk about this movie. He has like a moment in, in this one where he's like, I was the leader and I led us into a trap because I wasn't thorough enough and I wasn't taking it seriously enough. And I was, like, taken aback by that, you know? Yeah. But I think giving him a callback nemesis and be like, hey, I've seen what that guy can do with a rat in a bucket. I don't want to be on the other end of that. I We got to take this seriously, guys. And they're like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, you're, you're freaking out. I think that would be really fun to give him an actual one-on-one -on -one nemesis that's, like, co-conspiring against the family with Dante. Are you locking in force field saving dom or do you have an actual guess i think because i know that the bombs and detonators are primed on like gas trucks right or no those gas trucks already exploded no they're just on the dam itself because i think i wouldn't hate it if we got some kind of magnet plane callback <laughs> saving grace in there i think oh. that would be kind of great i think force field's almost a little too out there even though I it's agree. really really not well, also, I will note that Brian, well, maybe Brian is, but Dom certainly is not in the car at the end of this movie. He's not in his charger. They get out because yeah. they, they've got to, like, make sure that they're not <laughs> dead. I am thinking, I don't know who it's going to be or if Dom has installed this on the charger itself. Somebody has a duck. Like a duck boat car? Uh-huh. That is, that's pretty fun. I do like that. Because it has it, to be a car-related solution, as far as I'm concerned. And I maybe think the somebody has a good idea. I'm into that. But I, I'm liking the aquatic vehicle thing, because imagine it's on the, on the other, the filled side of the dam, there's somebody waiting. And as it blows up, they're careening through mm -hmm. the broken dam to pick them up. Like, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, but none of this makes sense. So I would love to see that. Maybe it's the maybe it's the Tokyo Drift Boys. Maybe they have that like a be, submarine yeah. car that they've been working on. You know, because Dom already drove down the side of a dam. I mean, I think logic is pretty soundly <laughs> done for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think submarine car driven by the Drift King, and he's like, I, I you, I'd have to pay you back, Dom. Thanks again, brother. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, just scoop him up. I'm digging that. I think that'll work for us. I think as more comes out, I think our our theories will, will evolve, but I think that's a pretty good bet so far. Also, I, you know, those other guys are fine. Maybe they'll jog back from their plane crash. <laughs> they'll get in on the action. You would think that maybe them being probably alive could contribute to, because they're in the same place now. You've got the team together now. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know some deus ex machina that they have up in the plane. Maybe the ejecto seato because, like... You know when you go on a water rapids ride at a theme park and all of the chairs are in like a circle and you're all facing each oh, other? Oh, sure, sure. That's how the ejecto seats in the plane are and there's a space for Dom and Brian. There you go. 
I can't wait to see what they've got cooking up next, and I'm going to do just as little research about the next one as we do, but knowing that we've got some, even if it's not the the final final, if there is going to be a third, which is rumored by I Vin Diesel himself. Not. I hope Vin Diesel's lying. For the sake of our own sanity, for the sake of the amount of marathons that we have to do every time one of these comes out, I agree. But, I mean... It's going to be 2025 by the time 11 comes out, they say. So, man, that's, yeah, that's going to, we're going to have a long time to simmer on this. A long time to fit in a different Vin Diesel marathon. But I'm excited for whatever they're, whatever they've got going on. I, I, I'm, I've got nothing but high hopes, especially because of Dante as well in, in the mix. Well, the next time we talk about the Fast and the Furious, it will be for our, Spy Racers Marathon that we will be doing yeah. at some point. Our we Spy do. Racers charity live stream, but the charity goes to us because we're literally torturing ourselves with <laughs> however many hours of this show. It's only like 18. Like, that's nothing. Did We've you done just that. say only 18? But this is like a children's animated show, man. And Vin Diesel is there for probably yeah. two episodes. I was going to say, for the one day in the booth that he went in there, he's on stilts like Groot. I am family. I think I did that on our Guardians episode. <laughs> did also. you really? I've got one joke. You remember that wave of memes when Nine was coming out and then family memes just became a thing? We never grew out of that, me and you. It's just well, that. We were ahead of the family memes. I, I, that is true. I, on the back end, though, when there was still the residual family memes post F9 premiere, I was like loving every single <laughs> one. I was eating that up. We were early, but we're also refusing to leave it behind. <laughs> exactly there you go which kind of sounds like a good summation of the fast and the furious saga if i'm being honest and not leaving anything behind a summation of a specific feud that two people cannot let go of potentially Ooh, is that mean we're moving on to our pop culture reference Seamus? let's get into it Today's pop culture reference, we're going to be issuing a spoiler warning for the entirety of the Fast and the Furious saga. If you have not seen Fast X or the other Fast and the Furious movies up until this point, go ahead and skip right on through over to our rec center. Or if you do not care about the Fast and the Furious saga, I guess go ahead and keep listening, but it probably won't mean much to you. With that out of the way, we're going to go ahead and move on in to the reference itself, which is the history of The Rock and the Fast Saga. In 2011, the world changed forever when Dwayne The Rock Johnson joined the Fast and the Furious family as FBI agent Luke Hobbs in Fast Five, the franchise's fourth film chronologically. Johnson returned for the next two films, though by the end of production on Furious 7, some personality issues were beginning to appear, and rumors started to swirl that Johnson and Fast Saga series lead Vin Diesel were even refusing to share scenes by the end of filming. Multiple derogatory social media posts were fired between Johnson and members of the Fast cast, including Tyrese Gibson. Amidst the rising tension, Johnson departed the mainline entries and went to star in spin-off Hobbs and Shaw, with equal height and equally strong and adept co-star Jason Statham. Vin Diesel has said that the feud had actually spawned from a place of directorial tension, implying that The Rock was lashing out at attempts to improve his performance and that the problems that they had with one another were actually prolonged on purpose in order to get performances that Diesel was looking for as a producer. Though the feud between the two beefcakes seemed to come to a head and fizzle out after the shooting of Fast X, recent rumors of last-minute reshoots turned out to be true when The Rock was revealed to return to the franchise in the final after credit scene of Fast X. This has been maybe the funniest periphery thing that has come out of our... Uh, awareness of the Fast and the Furious franchise, at least for me. I think it is genuinely fascinating to see two very strong-headed, egotistical people in Hollywood, buttheads like this, when they're both just really acting very similarly towards each other, it seems like. A lot of those social media posts were downright ruthless and really transparent, frankly. Like, Vin Diesel quote-unquote begging The Rock to come back, but still calling him, like, my little brother Dwayne, and, like, you're a piece of the larger puzzle that's not really important, but you're pretty important to me, the guy in charge, Vin Diesel. <laughs> so it's it's been just a roller coaster with this stuff. Yeah, it's a very strange dynamic 
it's definitely reflective of what we see on screen. So it works oh, in yeah. that regard. Who knows how much of it is showmanship versus these guys just having huge egos. Because frankly, I would believe it if you told me that most of this was just publicity. It could be that the box office performance of Black Adam scared The Rock so much that he came crawling back to the past <laughs> saga. <laughs> Uh, honestly, that's probably the better theory than, like, he realized he was missing out on the end of the best franchise in action movie history, you know? I mean, I think he cares far less about what these characters are, and even his own character, Hobbs, that he's just like, well, it's another couple million in the bank, and it'll look like, I, you know, he'll, I'm sure if this is more genuine feuding, he'll make it look like he did such a big favor to Vin Diesel to come back, and that... He really wanted to do it all along, but blah, 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 this and that. So I, I am sure this feud is not done, even somehow walking into the finale of this franchise. Well, I'm excited to see how The Rock reintegrates into the Fast Saga next movie, or if this is all a spinoff for the Hobbs. Dante's <laughs> going to become a Hobbs and Shaw villain, and then Cole Hauser alone will have to take down Dom and the gang. Big reveal that, that it's only been Cole Hauser pulling the strings all along. It was that would me, be great. Dom, the architect of all your pain. <laughs> we can't cross over. We can't cross over. But... Let's go ahead and save the rec center. Let's do it. Save the rec center! Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Garrett, what do you got for me? Well, for AAPI Heritage Month at local theater The Oriental for us, They have been screening a series of Eastern films over the course of the month of May. I am pleased to report that a film that I have been looking forward to for a long time, The Heroic Trio, I was finally able to see the other night. What an absolute insane blast of a movie. It's the first Johnny Toe movie I've ever seen, but he's a famed Chinese filmmaker. The titular heroic trio are Anita Hoy, Michelle Yeoh, and Maggie Chung. All of them, you know, in their 1993 prime. So, oh, amazing. Doing tons of insane martial arts. It's pretty graphically violent. It's a, essentially a live-action cartoon, as some of those Chinese action films kind of veer into. But there are some upsetting things, and really nobody is safe from dying, even children. <laughs> So oh my God, just, okay. just be aware of that going in. But if you go in with the right headspace, it was a very fun crowd. It kind of had the energy of a midnight movie, even though it was only a 9 p.m. show. It's streaming right now on Criterion Channel, if you have that. So it's not as inaccessible as it often is, because from what I hear, it's pretty hard to find streaming a lot of the time, and there isn't even a decent home video release. So... Go check out The Heroic Trio streaming now on Criterion Channel. That sounds like an actual blast, man. I'm definitely going to check that one out. It's one I've heard about for years, but know absolutely nothing about, really. But, you know, that cast is great. That era and and genre of filmmaking is some of the most entertainment you could ever find. So I, I think if I ever get the chance, I'm going to get on that Criterion Channel myself. That sounds like a lot of fun. But what do you have, Seamus? I have recently... Finally started, after so long of procrastination, the Guardians of the Galaxy video game, which is absolutely so much fun. I'm not as far into it as I I could be. I keep keep taking too much time to just be, like, looking at everything. It's such a colorful, fun game, the the gameplay itself. Through the tutorial, I was a little shaky on it, but once you kind of get a little more into the free combat the directing your friends around kind of utilizing all these different pieces working together at once it is really a lot of fun and i'm gonna probably platinum this one i'm already getting so far into the details of it all the references are fantastic there's actually a couple things in there already in in the very beginning here that i i'm working through that you know it would have tied in a little bit to the information and in something like a guardians 3 that you know even just came out and i i love the expansion on these characters that i already have such an affinity for but it's just you know a completely new take on them that is very refreshing but still entirely familiar so i i very much recommend that 
to the audience at large because Garrett, I know you have already done your whole whole tour of the galaxy yourself. And it was an absolute blast, Seamus, and I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it because I think I rec centered this one myself a little while yes. ago. Yes, you did. So this is me taking your rec center and putting it back out there because it is, it's a hell of a game, man. I'm having so much fun. There's enough room in the rec center itself to go yeah, around. The, the, the rec center expands every week. That's why they're always trying to shut it down. It's just, it's taking too much city money. <laughs> Taxpayer dollars. It's, I feel like, it's, you know, maybe we should are shut we, down the rec center. Are we the bad guys? Oh no, are the land developers, are they, do they make sense? They're trying to make affordable housing? We're like, nah, the rec center, it's got to stay up. It's only open from like noon to 5 p.m. and it's full of pinball machines yeah it, it only has three ping pong tables and one of them is broken like where's all this money going to that wraps us up for this week's episode of pop culture reference if you want to reach the show you can find us on twitter tiktok and instagram at pcr underscore podcast you can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com like us on facebook do all the other fun engagement things that we ask you to do every week, including liking us, subscribing, leaving a review on whatever uh, platform you're listening on. Next week, we are going into the Spider-Verse, Seamus. It is time for us to cover Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a movie that I kind of can't believe we haven't covered on this show. Yeah, I am incredibly excited. I love that movie to death. I'm so excited for the new one, but I don't want to get too far into that right now because we've got lots to talk about next week, I think. Well, we'll see you next week. Adios, dummies.